first major experience with this is there is there anything leading up to yeah there were a couple things we uh we gather every year uh, my hunting group my hunting party and family members and friends and throughout the preseason we had noticed odd things on the property that we hunt on um noticed you know rock formations that didn't make sense stick piles that almost resembled a fence uh, and just odd things. I mean, nothing really made sense, but we didn't really think much about it at the time. So for the listeners, um, over the course of this recount, we're going to be talking about two, uh, two specific different areas, correct? Correct. So this is the this is the first property, yeah. And and this is not your homestead. This is a area that you hunted, correct? Yeah, this is a state land property. Okay, and this is this is the entire brunt of this story takes place in of all places southwestern Michigan, correct? That's correct. And that's a little too close to home. Yeah, for <laughs> me it is. So, all right, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're fine. The um, so we gathered for our our annual hunting party gathering and I had told everybody um, that my daughters and I had encountered several different uh, things that they needed to you know needed to watch out for Um, they kind of thought I was joking they thought it was not serious they thought I was trying to scare them and um, they found out very different uh, a very different story they they found out uh that what I was talking about was real and uh, in fact realer than I thought at the time 
enough so that it, it terrified most of them. And what was that? Okay, so to go back from there, my daughters and I had been doing, uh, around July that year, uh, had been working on a food plot. And so we were, I'm about a mile and a half, roughly, back in a swamp. Uh, We have to wear waders to get out there, so it's not easy. It's not a place the average person goes. In fact, I've never seen another hunter out there, ever. Um, And... During that time frame uh, of working on this food plot, my daughter called me over and said, Dad, look at this footprint. And I uh, I thought she was joking. I thought she was messing with me. And uh, so I told her, I said, look, take your take your waders off. I want to see your foot. And she's like, Dad, I'm not messing with you. I'm serious. I said, no, take your waders off. Because, you know, it's so mucky out there. I'm going to see mud. And foot was clean. So I said, no, take your sock off. Well, she did and again foot was clean so i started looking at it more and realized this this has substantial size i mean this is way bigger than my foot and as we continued on uh, i started looking further and, and there's a left foot and then then six foot away or so there's a right foot and then there's another and i mean this is mucky mucky ground and so i tried to recreate the stepping pattern and i couldn't do it and then even running, I couldn't do it. Because of the length of the stride? Yeah. The length of the stride, but it was also stepping over stuff. I mean, this is, this is um, it's mucky, but there's logs, there's uh, ferns growing out there. So it's, it's not easy to walk through at all. I mean, we take machetes when we go. Really? It's that thick? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can see over it all. So at that point, um, I was really uneasy. Um, I'm... I'm very confused. I, I pulled out my phone, um, took my gloves off because I had you know gloves on to to pull the brush and uh, and um, uh, I set it down next to him and took pictures, um, just so we had some kind of proof because I knew nobody was going to believe this. And, and what would you guess? I, I mean, I'm sure you don't have a a ruler or a tape measure out there with you, but what would you guess the the length and the width of the prints to be? Um. Boy, I think the the width was, I mean, compared to my mechanics glove, um, the width was probably two times the length of the glove and a little more because I kind of, you know, just a lot of it was pushed in because of the mud. So, um, you know, it came back in around it a little bit. Um, and then maybe uh, the width would be maybe one and a half times the glove on width. So pretty substantial size. Yeah, yeah. Bigger than your foot. Oh, yeah, way bigger than my foot. Way bigger than your daughter. <laughs> yeah, oh, by far, yeah. Yeah. So um, at that point, I, I was I was pretty nervous. So I put both them on lookout duty, and I finished up what I needed to do in, our, in the spot, um, which wasn't a lot. I mean, I, I, that's a lot, I left a lot undone. Um, and we got out of there. Um, and, and then about a week later, uh, we went, two of us went back again. To, to go work on some other stuff because we were kind of working on a whole food plot thing and clearing out a lot of the brush in the area. And um, we came, apro- came upon a deer, um, but it wasn't where you would think a dead deer would be. Um, we, we noticed that, well, first we saw the deer, the blood dripping on the leaves and looked up and the deer was in the tree. Um, and I've heard of, you know, cougars or whatever, you know, getting a hold of deer, but we don't see those here in Southwest Michigan. Southwest Michigan. Right. 
Um, and but this deer was shredded; it was ripped to pieces. Um, and as my daughter, I'll probably tell you later, uh, when we knocked one of the the back legs down, the femur was snapped in half, and you could physically see handprints on either side of the leg in the muscle where it had something had grabbed it, gripped it, and broken in half. So you could literally see the indentations from fingers. Yes. Pressed into the meat uh, to snap the to snap the femur. Yeah. Yeah, we stood there for a while looking at it and just trying to understand what we were looking at, you know. Um, and, and that was the nearest thing we could figure is those were literally handprints on either side of the leg. So, And, and how, how old do you think the, the kill itself was? Um, Within a day or a day so and a half. Still relatively fresh. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of smell. You know, there wasn't there wasn't really any decay. It wasn't a lot of flies. So, what about on the on the ground? Did you notice? Uh, well, there probably wasn't snow on the ground at this time, was there? No, no. This would have been you know later into July ish. So yeah. anything that would have been pulled up would have probably soaked up into the ground. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. But there were some there were some like skin and you know hair and that kind of stuff on the ground. So that that uh, certainly got our attention a little more, you know, um, and then. The next uh, thing happened a little bit later in the year. Um, we had gone to gone out to check on the area again, do a little more work, and uh, we we noted we heard something running ahead of us, and uh, we we quickly went up over the hilltop to see what it was. We did not see what it was, but we noticed a very strong odor that was pungent. It was just really bad. And as we got closer, my daughter noticed that there was something coming down from the tree and it was foamy. Um, and initially I thought maybe some kind of like sap or something along those lines. And it hadn't rained, you know, in the, in the, it hadn't previously rained or anything like that. So as we got up to it, we realized that that was, there was urine coming down the tree and it was about eye level to me. I'm five nine. So, wow. So we, we just kind of looked at it and. At that point, we decided that we weren't going to continue on. We were just going to go back to the truck and head home. So, so prior to this, your your knowledge on Bigfoot or Sasquatch, what level of education did you have? Not a lot. Um, to be honest with you, I, I probably looked at anybody that talked about it as they're making this up. It's a joke. Um, they're looking for attention. You know, that would be, I mean, I just didn't really think it was a serious thing i didn't um, put a lot of stock into it you know and and at what point over the course of what you've just told me at what point i would imagine probably when you see the footprints in the mud is that when it kind of is that when it kind of kicked in for you that this is this is something that we're dealing with that shouldn't be yeah you know for me i didn't want to believe it right away um it took a little more uh, I had actually, I had the photographs on my phone, um, and I had stopped into a friend of mine uh, that owns a local store. Um, it's where I get a lot of my um, supplies for hunting and that. And in in visiting him, he had asked me how my season looks this year. How how's the deer look? You know, am I gonna have good season? Am I seeing any big bucks and stuff? And I told him I, I didn't even say much. I just simply said, you know, things are weird this year. And he said, what do you mean? And, and I said, they're just weird. And 
he leaned across the counter and he looked at me and he said, have you seen Bigfoot? And I thought, I said, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm, I'm out of here. You know, you're making fun of me. And I hadn't told him anything at all. And so I walk out the door of the store and I'm kind of mad. And he runs out, grabs me and says, no, no, come back inside. Let's talk. You don't understand. And I said, no, you're right. I don't understand. And I'm not going to talk to you. And he said, no, come back inside. Well, it took him a bit, my wife talking to him too, and he um, he got me to go back inside and he said, he said, you know, um, I'm an anthropologist by trade. I went to school to be an anthropologist, but, you know, I run this because it's our family store. And, and he told me that, um, you know, there's a lot of sightings in Berrien County and in Cass County, Michigan. And I said, yeah, you're, I just, that's not true. You know, like I, I just couldn't believe it. And I thought he was making fun of me. And, um... And then he asked me, you know, do you have photographs or anything of any of the stuff that I had told him about, you know, the footprints, the rock from, you know, the rocks being piled up and, and the sticks, which I'll have to explain because that's, that's really unique. Yeah. Um, and, and I did. And I, so I showed him all that and I showed him the footprints. And of course he told, he asked me, he says, so did you get plaster Paris castings? And I'm like, yeah, cause everybody carries plaster <laughs> Paris in their backpack, you know? And, uh, you know, he's like, no, really, you know, you should have gone back and got them. But I didn't, you know, because at the time, it's not something I'm really worried about. Right. But, you know, that right there, that conversation with him kind of put it in perspective for me. And and it made me start to think that maybe there's something to this. Maybe this is real. So that's kind of the the bizarre synchronistic idea that somebody in your in your small bubble of of people yeah. is, is actually investigating yeah. this as, as a, as a, um, maybe not as a job, but as, as a, as a serious researcher. Yeah. He, he actually told me that he has a, as a hobby, he, he goes on different, um, investigations and, and when something happens, like, you know, somebody has a dog come out missing or they find something, an animal, you know, shredded or something like that. He, he will sometimes investigate that. So, yeah. Any idea on where he would get his information from? No, I didn't know. I wonder if that he was associated with, you know, not necessarily the BFRO, but a, a organization that would take the counts from witnesses. Yeah, I'm not sure. He, we never really got into it that deep. Um. So yeah, we the uh, the stick structures though those are really unique. Um, I would find maybe broken pine trees um, piled up around trees. The problem was that wasn't a pine tree; it might be an oak tree. And the nearest pine tree is 100 yards away or 50 yards away or something. The the sticks that you know it was obvious that they were pulled in, and these were large branches. Um, where we entered the swamp at. We, we actually go back on like this little finger of land that goes out and, and go on to the swamp. And at one point, there was a whole bunch of sticks all piled up, almost like a fence to say, stay away from here. And we, we tore it down um, and went back, and it was built back and bigger. And so that was just... Uh, what was the duration of time from the, the time you had torn it down to the time you had gone back to get it uh, see it up again? Uh, I think that was about three or four days. So it so was relatively quick. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, so, you know, something or somebody, you know, at the time we thought it was a person trying to say, no, we're hunting here. But it, you know, again, some of the events that happened later proved to be 
totally different. So. Wow. So any um, any further Congress with the uh, the gentleman at your at your store? No. As, as far as no, we never got a chance to to talk anymore about it. In your hunting property, you found a shredded deer. Yep. How far would you say some of the parts were thrown up into the tree? Can you make a guess? The leg quarters that we could reach, uh, we were able to get a big stick and, re- and grab, so that was probably within 15 foot, 10, 15 foot. Um, the other ones were a little bit higher that we couldn't reach, like the back. Um, there was a rib part that was actually up around the tree, um, around the base, not the base of the tree, but, you know, the, the trunk of the tree, but just higher up. So that was maybe up around 20, 25 feet. And what are you thinking at this point? I don't know what to think. You know, here we have this shredded deer um, in pieces and just didn't know what to make of it. You know, the whole, the whole time this was all going on, like I said, it, it just was, it was something that we were not wanting to believe. You know, it's, these things are happening. We're finding these things. There's got to be a reason for it. There's got to be an explanation, you know, and, and, and then there just wasn't. Well, the, the whole thing of the urine coming down the tree, that is something that uh, when, if anybody that listens to this is, is into the subject matter as much as I am, that is something that you have not hardly ever, if ever, heard related into a story. And I imagine that would be pretty easy to pass up in an area if you're not looking for it. It, it would be easy to pass, but the smell was so intense. So that, that, that pungent odor that you were talking about before came from the urine. Yeah. When you were there right beside it, it was... Strong. Okay. It was very strong. That's what got our attention. Um, you know, we heard it. We heard something running. Didn't know what it was, but that odor, we were drawn to that, and you couldn't mistake it for anything. Now, when you heard the, the running... I mean, you've been a hunter, you have dogs, you, you've, you've seen deer run past. Are you able to discern whether or not whatever's moving ahead of you is bipedal? This was definitely bipedal. It was, it was heavy. Whatever it was, was very heavy. Um, and then it ended up, it went through the land and then entered the swamp. And at that time, um, it was, it was making a lot of commotion. And to explain, so you, to put that swamp in perspective, you have to go out there with a machete. You're not going to, if you don't have a trail to get from point A to point B, you're not going to get through. I mean, obviously the deer do. Um, they're able to maneuver a lot easier than right. you and I, but um, this thing was tearing down trees. I mean, you so could, you could hear the, oh, could you could hear, hear destruction in the, in the, in the wake of this. Yes, very much so. Um, and that's what, I mean, we, that got our attention. That's why we went running over the hill. Like, what is that? You know, that's gotta be a massive deer. We wanted to see it. And, uh, I don't believe it was a deer. But were you able to recognize like where it went through? Did you see the fresh breaks? And honestly, we never went that far. Um, when we saw the, (laughs) when we saw the year on the tree, we, we kind of made the decision that we were just going to head back to the truck. And so both of your daughters were with you at that time? No, that was just one of them. Just one. Yeah. And what was her, uh, what was her response to that? Because um, you, you've had your, your daughters go out hunting with you. Oh, yeah. They're both avid hunters. Um, 
So what would what would her age have been at that time? Oh, I'm sorry, 13, 14. And she recognized that something was off. Yes. Yeah. They were both younger. I'm I'm terrible with ages. <laughs> I have five kids. <laughs> well, at, at some point, I'd like to to bring your daughters in and get their accounts as well. So, is that okay? Yep, you're okay. good. All right. So, if you would, let's go back to your dad's account of uh, you being out there and finding the the urine stream on the tree. Um. Honestly, that day when we went over the hill when we heard the running uh that's the whole thing with the swamp that's kind of why my dad likes hunting out there because with it being as swampy as it is everything is connected by that water so when something's moving you can almost feel it in like the muck and everything those vibrations so when it was running it wasn't it was so heavy you could feel the thud while it was running and i'm going back to the urine though when we went over the hill, uh, I actually looked at my dad. I I thought he farted or something because the smell was just so bad. You couldn't get past it. And as we made our way down and we found that, um, seeing the height that it was and like you couldn't get within five to six feet of it without just wanting to, you know, puke or cover your face in some way to mask that some in some way, shape or form. But, um, Seeing that and looking at my dad and seeing the horror on his face and like, I've never seen my dad scared and I could see how uneasy he was and I wanted to go home. I did not want to be there. Like we'd found other things and that did it for me. Was there at any point leading up to this or any of your other experiences, John, um, have you ever, have you ever had a, an overwhelming sense of, dread or a feeling like something was imposing a a feeling of you shouldn't be where you're at something that you couldn't really put your 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 uh put words to prior to this no prior to this i you know i've i've backpacked all over the united states i've hunted all over the place not really afraid of anything in the woods um have never had a feeling that anything was hunting me or or could hurt me out there um now i feel very different now and what about your your take on it how do you feel are you are you comfortable with going back out in the woods or uh personally i haven't been out there since i was 14 years old 14 15 not since that not since finding the deer and the urine and seeing the the fence lines of sticks and um it just i mean i've never seen anything like that before and you know growing up you watch documentaries on things and it's like oh okay you know and then you experience something like that firsthand and you know it's it's stuff you don't talk about because thinking about it gives you the chills it like I've described it to people as living in a horror movie scene. Like when we found that deer, you know, you you hear the dripping and it's a sunny day and it's like, there's no way. Like, where's this coming from? And you look up and there's a deer in a tree and you find a femur that under so much stress and pressure, the muscles and tissue formed up through the grip in the hands 
and snapped a bone like that. I mean, your femurs, it takes pounds and pounds of pressure to break. And it snapped it like it was a toothpick. So, no, I've not been out there since I was 14 or 15 years old. And I personally, when if I've ever... If I'm ever asked to go back out there with my dad, you know, we better be walking back to back because he's got my front and I've got his back. I don't want any direction to not be covered. When you heard it going through the woods, mm-hmm. what what could you, can you compare that to the, I mean, what was going on in your mind? What What were you, what were you trying to picture in your mind as far as what was making those, those noises? Uh... In my mind, trying to believe that it might be a deer or, you know, something of some kind of size to make that that feeling in the ground or just that kind of commotion. But, I mean, when I, like, I've hunted my whole life with my dad, and when any animal comes in, it isn't wanting to be hurt. It doesn't walk with a, a stomping or you know, hey, I'm here kind of sense. It's quiet. It's stealthy. You've got to be looking for it to see it before. I mean, it could be standing in front of you. You looked there two seconds ago. It wasn't there. You looked there now, and it is. With this, it wasn't trying to hide itself. You know, it wasn't making itself presentable in the way to be seen, but it wasn't trying to not knock down trees or not run with a light step. For both of you, do you think that it, do you think that that display was intended to catch your attention and to scare you, intimidate you? I think it's intended to scare anything that's in its path. You know, it's like it feels it's big and it is the predator. You know, you're in its path and that's really unfortunate for you. Yeah. And without getting ahead of myself, something I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, um, I think it was certainly intended to say I'm here and this is my my domain and you don't belong here. So I don't, I, not to sound weird, but the, the whole, the urine on the tree is just, it, it interests me so much because as I've told you before, I've listened to hundreds of hours of testimonies and accounts and, you know, a lot of them, they'll talk about the smell. We'll talk about the pungent odor, but never, never once have I ever heard of actually finding the streamy urine and then being taller than you at five, nine. And I imagine it was two heads higher than you at the time. You know, I mean that you'd have to have a pretty hefty stream to, to get up a tree. That well, that's, what, that's what I told her. I said, I'd have to be aiming at my face and I still don't think I could get that high. Be peeing in your mouth before you got to where that was. Yeah. That's amazing. And it was still foamy. It was still foamy. It had just done it. Um, so I don't mean to interrupt you, but while I have the thought in my head, um, from the from the time that you found the, the, the foaming urine on the tree to the time you heard the um, the freight train going through the, the tree limbs, is that is that all like just following right into itself? Uh, the, the one thing right after another mm-hmm. or... Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we, like I said, we, during um, during our hunting party where we all get together before opening day, you know, that was just one of the things I talked about with the group. How was that received? 
<laughs> they laughed. They, they said, oh, we're fine. You know, even my wife, you know, who had, you know, we were coming home. We're telling her all this stuff. Um, really just thought it was a big joke. So, which led into opening day. Yep. <laughs> a day we'll never forget. Mm-mm. Now, daughter number one, um, any other any other experiences? Um, the only other experience I had uh, was I was going out to my car one morning before school to get some out of it. And um, I actually had just let my Rottweiler outside. And she was barking. She does it every morning. I didn't really think much of it. Continuing our way outside. And uh, as I made my way towards my car, I heard a rustle in our fence line. Um, and we have two ways in on our driveway, and it was closer to the, the farther one. On a, um, There's like a little forest line there. And I just kind of looked up at it and I noticed this there were two red eyes and um, I had my phone on me and I kind of lifted it up and shined it towards it and they got brighter and it just sent a chill down my spine because as I looked at it it looked as if it was crouching and then it slowly the eyes just got taller and taller and taller and I I panicked turned right around went right inside and went right to my dad's bedroom and I said grab your gun there's something outside and um, I did not follow him outside to see what it was and uh, he didn't see it by the time he got out there he said he didn't see what was there but um, yeah I never forgot it and to this day (laughs) I will actually avoid that tree line. I don't like to go to it during the day. I really don't go near it at night. So, and that's that's a your your new your new homestead property. This was not it. No, that this is actually um. So my dad hunts is about half hour from our home here, and so yeah, to see something that might be related to our past experiences on our actually on our home property really terrified me well there's something and since you were out i'll bring this up while you're still on with us um so you guys were out working on a flute plot and if i remember right from the phone call we had uh you were putting out corn and and stuff like that um not, there's, well not corn we were planting oh okay um so there's things called uh, a habituation and Typically, that term is used when a, uh, a person or a family is, is leaving food or, or, or gifts for, for these creatures to elicit a response, to get something back, or to um, possibly make themselves more uh, apt to being able to see them. And first told me about that experience. I couldn't help but think that being only a half hour away, if they interpreted your food plot as a gift to them, it might make sense that they made a half hour trek <laughs> to your property. Yeah, it was, we, we've had a few occurrences here at the house, which I don't understand at all. So, yeah, I mean, it's well, possible, but I don't, I'll be I don't honest, know. I've, I've never driven <laughs> out 
into this area. Um, I've been on all sides around it, but never down this area. I was really surprised at how much wooded area you have through here. And a lot of hills, a lot of, uh, a lot of valleys. Yeah, there's some river bottom area. And uh, it, <laughs> I hate the term, but it, it, it looks squatchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so back to daughter. You pulled out your phone. I assume you meant that you turned your flashlight on on your phone. I I, I actually was shaking so bad. The only thing I did was lift, like I turned the screen on, it lit up, and I was like, okay, that's enough. I just, I didn't want to take my eyes off it long enough to the point where I looked down and I looked up and it might possibly be on top of me. And you said that as soon as you raised your phone, that the eyes became brighter. Yeah, brighter. It was like, um, you know, almost like when you take a picture of a dog and when that flash hits its eyes, it turns red. Or it glows and it captures that flash. It got brighter, just faintly, but enough so that as it started to stand up, it was well above my head, and I, I didn't want to try to possibly take it on. I just wanted to get away. How far do you think that she was away from that? Small twenty or twenty-five yards. When you saw the eyes, mm. did it? You know, obviously you've you've hunted for a long time with your dad. Um, you know what eye shine looks like. You know what red eye looks like when you take a photograph of somebody and and you see an illumination from behind the lens. When you saw those eyes looking at you, did you see that? Did you see illumination with depth from behind like the back of the eye or or did it just look like glowing red eyes? Um it just It just looked like it was glowing. I don't know if my phone had enough light to it. I mean, it was like one of those little flip phones. But uh, it it definitely didn't move. And the fact that it just stared at me and as it got taller and its eyes were totally fixed on me. Uh, did you notice any blinks or did you I, notice any, any swaying I, back and forth as if it was having a hard time standing still no nope it was from the moment it was crouched it was a slow stand and it never moved eyes never moved not that i can remember and that could just have been the fact that i was come scared out of my mind but and what's what's interesting is i went out looking for it and i went with a flashlight and my neighbor um he's up He's, he's more nocturnal than he is you know, up during the daytime. And he told me that something had just run through the fence row between us and out the back of his property. So that, that verified to me that whatever she saw was real. Something was there. Something was there. Mm-hmm. He never got a look at it, but he could hear it. So it was pretty scary. This is insane. All right. Let's move on. Where where are we going next? Um, I think opening day. I think that's what you're. Let's let's give a little bit of a time frame. Um, how, how long ago was this? Oh, seven. It's about seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, as I told you, um, I had told all my buddies and uh, and my dad um, to be on the lookout. Something wasn't right. 
Um, we went out that morning. We, we pretty much leave our truck because of the long walk we have in. We leave about 4.30 in the morning. So we're going in. It's very dark. And um, so there was my dad, um, my brother-in-law, and uh, two other friends out there with us that day. And um, so we leave my dad. He, he's older, so he can't walk in as far. Um, so we drop him off. Um, my buddy... My buddy's brother, he goes in a different direction into the property, but he's not very far from us at all. Um, and then uh, my, we dropped off my buddy at his spot, at his tree stand, and then my brother-in-law and I continued on into the swamp where we hunt together. And my dad, I, I had just gotten into my tree stand, just got situated. It's still quite dark. Um, and it takes me about an hour and a half to walk in. So it's it's a bit... Um, and he... he He's calling me, and he's, and I answered the phone. He said, you know, there's some guy walking around out here that's just busting through the thick stuff um, in a full ghillie suit kind of thing, and but it's a big guy, and he's not using a flashlight. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, it's just a big guy. I said, well, was he on the trail? He says, no, he went right through the thicket. I said, Dad, nothing can go through that thicket. You know, I, I couldn't walk through that thicket. And I, he said, no, this guy walked right through the middle of that thicket. And uh, I said, well, did you see him? He goes, well, when I shot my flashlight at him, he took off running. But it looks like a big guy. And so about that time, my phone, I'm getting a, another call coming in. And it's my other buddy. And that we dropped off second after him. So let me, let me answer the phone, Dad, because he's calling me. So... I did, and he said, man, there's something big just ran at me from your dad. He said, I think I got a big deer behind me. And uh, we were just kind of chatting about it. I said, well, he said it's a guy. And he goes, well, if it's a guy, he's back in the swamp behind me. Because the way he had his tree stand, his, the, tr the swamp is to his back. And it's it's about shoulder deep out there and um, behind him. As far as the swamp is go goes, you mean the depth of the swamp? Yeah, behind him there. We've been, unfortunately been through their track of deer before, so it's deep. Um, and he, uh, but I said, he said, if it's a guy, he's got to have, you know, ridiculous waders on. There's no way it's a guy. So, well, that's what dad said. So I said, well, let's get ready here and, you know, wait till light and see what happens. And maybe if it's a deer, it'll sneak in behind you and you'll get a chance at it. So we're getting to starting to break light a little bit but it's it's not light enough to where if you're looking at something you can see it but if you look away you might see something in the corner of your eye so twilight yeah and man that's when everything blew up for us we hear a scream that i'll never forget um it actually did it twice and um i mean i didn't know what it was but it was loud i could hear it from where i was and it was piercing um, my buddy is calling me at this point. He said that this thing had snuck up right behind him. He didn't even see it in the swamp and started screaming at him. And when he jumped up, he said he about jumped out of the stand. But when he jumped up, he said the thing had turned, gone back into the swamp, made a circle, and he could, he could hear it running towards my brother-in-law and I through the swamp. My brother-in-law is calling me. I said, Shit, I gotta go. He's calling me. So he he is a um, he's a firefighter. 
So he has a really bright flashlight. And, and, and when it's light, we can see one another. And so I could see his flashlight come on. And he tells me, he said, I don't know what that thing is, but it's taking down trees. It's coming between you and me. It's walking fast and it's taking down trees. I can see treetops falling. And I'm just like, I don't even know. I don't know what to think. I said, okay, I'm gonna get off the phone. Let's see if it walks past me so that we can get a look at it. We, we can identify this thing. So he shut his light off. I could hear it coming. Um, like I said, this is swampy water. Um, and, and, and like my daughter said um, earlier, that this is, it's so mucky and it's like a bog. So when something's walking, you can feel it. You can feel it in your tree that you're sitting in. And so I could feel the vibration. And so this thing comes into view and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy looking being. Um, now it's dark, so I couldn't see hair for sure, but it looked like just like a draping mat coming down. Um, walking, you know, broadside to me, mad as can be. And what? And, the, and then I noticed that um, there was a tree that had a limb that was about eye level to it. This thing took its arm and did like a roundhouse swing at it and hit it with its forearm and broke the tree limb, sheared it right off, which blew my mind. Um, and then continued walking out of sight. Now you said it was mad as hell. It was. It was not happy. What was what was the indication to you that it was it was not happy? What was it doing that made you think that? It just the way it walked. You know, I mean, it looked like a kid that had just had a temper tantrum. Big, heavy steps. It wasn't trying to hide itself. I mean, it was basically saying, I'm here. Making a point. Yep. Um, heavy steps, splashing water, um, swinging its arms. I mean, it just looked mad. So, um, it ended up continuing to walk out of sight. Um, you know, and I've had people ask me, why didn't you shoot it? Well, one, <laughs> I'm not going to shoot it. You know, it, it's not a deer. It's not whatever that is season. Um, and then the other thing is why well, need to take a picture with the camera. I'm sitting, I'm standing there in my stand with my phone in my hand. And to be honest with you at the time, I didn't think about it. It, it, it never even crossed my mind. You know, I think I was in complete shock. As Trying to, what, to process it, what you were seeing, let alone thinking about doing something about it. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like that. Never in my life. That I've, I never thought I'd have seen anything like that. Um, about nine o'clock, my dad contacts me and says, I'm leaving. I'm heading home. And, you know, this is a diehard hunter. You know, this is a guy that, that doesn't leave until it's dark. He'll come in in the dark and leave in the dark. And about 930, my buddy that had it sneak up behind him, he contacts me and says, I'm terrified. My brother already left and I'm leaving too. And, and again, these are diehard hunters. My dad has never gone back to get a stand to this day. He, he said, I, I don't even, I don't even care. It's not worth it. And, um, it terrified him. And he, he hunted one more year and said, I just, I don't need to be in the woods. So it had that much of an effect on him. Um, my buddy who had it sneak up behind him to this day will not walk out in the dark and he won't stay out till dark. He, he waits till, you know, it's breaking daylight to walk in the woods and, and then uh, comes out before you know, it's too dark to see. 
um, his brother has never returned to the area other than to get a stand. So, um, so those guys are done. And we have other friends that have said they won't go out there anymore either because of it. I mean, so these are guys that at one point were making fun of us, you know, and then turned around and they're so scared they won't go back. What about you? My brother-in-law and I, um, we still hunt out there, but not like we did. You know, we were we were always out there during bow season, all the way through gun, all the way through black powder, and then back into bow again. And um, now we hunt we hunt it during gun. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm a good shot with my bow, but I don't think I stand a chance against that with my bow. So with a gun, I feel like I have, <laughs> I have a standing chance, maybe. <laughs> but but yeah, later that morning. Um, about 10 o'clock or so I shot a doe that was coming through the area and after I got her I got down and walked over to not where the deer was but where it had walked through and as I walked over I looked at the tree limb that it broke down I could I could probably touch the tree limb with my fingertips if I put my arm up and again you're 5'9 I'm 5'9 and that was about eye level to it to put to put it in some kind of size perspective so that sent chills down my spine. And um, you ask a question if I hunt out there anymore. You ask a question if I hunt out there anymore. You ask a question if I hunt out there anymore. this family's experiences in part two of opening day on the next episode of uncomfortable <laughs>